Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. I'm here with Donnie Gebert. And we're going to be talking about a very interesting and unusual blockchain application that uh, he's working on. Donnie, how are you doing? What's going on, Rich? How's things? Good. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Um, I only heard very uh, quick snippet of your idea. So if you would just lay out the uh, general idea to listeners, and then we'll dive in with questions. Okay. Well, uh, the overall application of a blockchain is uh, it's a transparency platform as its fundamental role the open ledger is is to provide transparency. Whether or not it's completely honest in the process that you're using, it does provide at least a porthole into whatever process you're looking at because of the nature of the blockchain. You can look at all of those transactions. So instead of using it in a way like block, uh, Bitcoin does as a cryptocurrency, you use it as a secure document ledger and we could essentially uh, eliminate voting and representation at the same time by uh, replacing the, your, the, uh, the legislative role would change to where you would basically self-represent. And instead of voting on an issue, you would decide where your money goes. So your, your financial con- contribution is your de facto vote, and you don't have to put your money into anything you don't want to. So you essentially sign up for your own subcommittee or committee. And then it's where you put your money. And if you put, you know, you only have finite amount of resources to put into this kind of stuff. So instead of being taxed at an X rate, it would be more of a contribution scale. That way we would figure out what the actual costs are. I mean, we all kind of know the federal government's running a real, a real racket up there and, and nobody really knows what price of these services that they're actually giving now cost anymore. So just to go right, through so a price quick, discovery quick process here, and, so. and, and, Lash the whole thing back to the market while you put the transparency in, you eliminate a whole bunch of corruption, and you could do it pretty much at any scale. That's the you know the TLDR on it. Do you want to replace our congressmen, senators, et cetera, with a blockchain-based system of voting on issues? Is that no, no, no voting. You see, okay. if you're going to be your own representative and you're going to put your money where you want to then you don't need to vote on where the money is going to go. You're just going to put the money in the, if you wanted to support uh, environmental issues, essentially think of the Sierra club running the EPA would be a lot more efficient because they'd have to work on a budget. They wouldn't be able to print money into existence. They wouldn't be able to enforce all kinds of weird regulations on, you know, heavy industry, you know, a mining area really can't be environmentally friendly. It's the nature of mining, but there's plenty of areas that could be preserved and managed by the Sierra Club and those kinds of things. So if you didn't want to see your money going towards wars, you just dump it all into the Sierra Club and they'll take care of Yosemite and all of the other federal assets that are going to get lost in a bankruptcy. That's what happened to the Soviet Union. So we have, we have financial troubles. At the same time, we have political troubles. At the same time, we've got uh, just a systemic problem where even the system can't fix those political and economic problems anymore. It's, it seems to be really gummed up. So how would people become aware of certain issues that they may not normally have time to even look at? You know, who would bring it to the attention of people to decide, you know, if, if so if, if X number of people are on this or if everyone's on this, um, there's quite a bit of money that could be moved in one direction or another. 
So how would people get in front of um, all the representatives in the blockchain, all the people in the blockchain and say, hey, I want you to spend money on my issue, this issue, that issue. How would it not turn into a continuous parade of people with their handout saying, hey, donate to us instead of someone else? Um, it, well, here's the thing. It could be a continuous parade, but you don't have to sign up for the notifications, right? I mean, it's really more of a you're going to get involved in the things that you want to be involved in. And you'll get a better a chief executive through someone who has had to build a company and then bid on a process to offer a service. You'll get a way better chief executive there than you will by voting one who could you know, schmooze the greatest number of voters into a spot. So you basically start these open projects. Think of it like um, DonorC. If you don't know what DonorC is, www.donorc.com. It's basically the, or I think it's .org. They, uh, they put out a bucket for an individual, say in Africa, and people can go and put money directly into you know, Bob's bucket. And Bob is going to go help this guy in Africa, whoever it is. And you directly see that money. And then Bob sends you a status report after you, you know, it's a small bucket for that guy, but it's, you know, $1,500, but it changes that whole guy's life. And then Bob sends you a status report. And there it's like, it's like a one-time charity, charity thing. Well, if you were to do a major project, you just put uh, something like uh, Indiegogo. That's what I'm doing. Indiegogo, you put out a, a crowdfunding bucket and then you have an email list that would, people would sign up for it. There's lots of it, you know, anybody who wanted to be politically knowledgeable about the EPA, it would just be done on a blockchain. And all of that funding would be open and honest instead of it being used in backdoor deals and being taken away from you and other people who don't want to contribute. By putting the transparency into that process, you eliminate a ton of corruption and the process inherently gets more efficient because the corruption is gone. Are there any issues that you wouldn't want to put in front of people or you think all issues are fair game? And, and how would people become aware of issues? Is there a certain place where they would be posted or is it just up to people to figure out and find the issues that are important to them? Well, I mean, advertising, if you had to live in a society, which would you prefer, advertising or lobbying? If you had to choose, I mean, we get advertising for all kinds of things that we may or may not want and we choose the things that we want. We look for the services that we don't necessarily get advertised for because we want them. What is lobbying essentially doing? It's giving us services we wouldn't necessarily want, regardless of whether or not we want them. So I think by eliminating the lobbying mechanic out of the process and turning it into an advertising campaign, you're going to get a better quality of individual who's involved. You're going to get more satisfaction out of this kind of governance process. It's not, it's, it's not, uh, it's not control. It's just organization. But you're going to get more satisfaction out of the whole process if you're putting your money towards the things that you want to. And, you know, there, of course, there'd have to be a transition where, you know, we couldn't just have everybody quit paying taxes in one year. You know, the, the whole point is it's a transitionary idea. But to get out of the current model, you just you let people put the money where they want and you let the, the agencies that would fail due to lack of support, you just let them go. And those people will transition slowly out of the system. And, you know, you got to have a you got to have a transitionary step from where you are. And I know a lot of people want change. How, what does it look like? How do you do it? Well. Blockchain okay. really gives us a great platform for that. All right. So tell me a little bit about uh, the system. How would it work and what would be the experience of people using it? Okay. So uh, everyone would essentially, we would uh, take all the, think uh, LifeLock plus your credit score plus like a, like a digital fingerprint. And I would think some kind of biometric just to make sure that no one could really hijack your, your token. It's really hard to do on a blockchain anyway, hijack somebody's private key. 
But just to make sure it's unique and secure, you know, we could throw a thumbprint involved or, you know, whatever along those lines, just to ensure that when, when we have a notification on the blockchain that says this person put this money here or this person did this, this person spent this money in this organization, that we don't really have to worry about fraud being a factor. We just know that this is how we're doing it. And, you know, the, the way the open ledger system works, fraud is kind of a, it's a real complicated thing to get fraud on that thing anyway. By okay. leaving this in the open, none of that, we, we don't deal with the fraud. We're just going to deal with the germane issue. We're, we're, I understand that every point of the way we could try and interject some kind of fraud. The point is we get, we get rid of the fraud, fraud up front. So everybody gets their tokens. You're now your own legislator. So you would go into the interface. And I mean, assuming at the end of the day, this would all be integrated with some kind of federal system, just, just for organizational purposes, you would log in and you would put your tax dollars wherever you want to go and buy whatever percentage you want, 1%, 2%, buy a dollar value, completely customizable, exactly what you want. But we would be able to see what agencies would get the funding if everybody was to pay for it out, you know, out of pocket. What would they, every Friday, if they had to pay for these services, what would be done? Defense will get funded. Defense will get funded out of ignorance before it doesn't get funded out of, uh, we don't need one, right? <clears throat> so I don't worry about the real major issues. But the contentious issues, the ones that we fight over, mostly through the political process, would just separate. The concept of federalism in the beginning was, you know, we're going to have different, basically, tax farms, <clears throat> and we're going to try different rule sets in each one, and we'll see what works out. It wasn't about stepping on anybody. It was about finding what things worked and what, what kind of didn't. Well, we don't do that anymore. Now we just impose a template on hundreds of millions of people, and more and more people are getting crushed by the template. So instead of these people being forced to fight over whether or not abortion is a good thing and whether or not it's going to be enforced, all the Christians have essentially done is get themselves dragged into funding abortion by trying to keep it illegal. Like, I'm, I'm anti-abortion myself, but man, if you... If you if you're fighting to get out of, out of the system or get it illegal and all you've accomplished is ended up paying for it, maybe you'd be better off to just take a step back and say, as long as I don't have to pay for it, we'll deal with the fallout after. We'll see what that looks like afterwards. You want to give people control over where their tax dollars essentially go um, instead of being forced to fund things that they may you know, be against completely. Right. Well, if you think about that, though, it, it breeds a lot more satisfaction in whatever system you're trying to use. Because the very premise under which you paid for something is, well, you did pay for it. You got what you paid for. If you don't like it, you could take your money back out of it. Hmm. And of course, this would probably end up being done by like a subscription. Because, you know, think about it like on a yearly basis. One piece of negative PR would destroy an entire public funding system, right? Because, Because one guy, you know, tried to embezzle some money or some bullshit, you know, some nonsense in the press. So... You'd have like a subscription for, say, like a year and it'd be, I don't know, $12, $15 a month. Those systems really aren't that expensive. The way the government does them, they're extremely expensive, but they don't have to be. They don't have to have all that overhead and all that waste. That, that, that gets all cleared up. And, you know, the EPA would essentially be like, think of the EPA and the Sierra Club kind of having their own little enforcement agency, but they're, they're really more focused around acquiring land and preserving it. And it's private. It's theirs. So they, you know, nobody, no trespassing. They could defend it if they want. But at, instead of having a public park that everybody gets to shit in, you go to the Sierra Club and if you don't like their rules, they'll throw you out on your ass. So you'll see a lot better result just by making uh, the custodianship belong to someone instead of, oh, I'm just the guy who 
does the land acquisitions. I don't, I'm not the guy who sets the fires on the land. Yeah. That's that guy's, you know, he works in another building. That kind of bureaucracy leaves, leaves all these services really bad. So where, where are you at with, um, with this project? Are you going to be the one coding it or do you have it being worked on? Or is it just, is it more of an idea? Like, where are you at? Factum, Factum already has the software up and running. It's called API Plus. So it's really not a matter of, um, honestly, uh, the, the whole blockchain is a platform that the, uh, the term uh, uh, some people like to use is blue ocean uh, markets. And, and there's really no competing. There's a whole lot of processes between journalism and uh, governance. I, those are the two big ones that I could think of. But financing, uh, you know, the banking industry would be another one. This transparency software platform of the blockchain will change all of that. We don't need you know, courthouses anymore. The country of Georgia has already started putting land on the blockchain. Well, what do you need a courthouse deed system for? Yeah. What do you need a courthouse deed system for when you can just put all the land on the blockchain? You could sell it to anybody. It wouldn't have to be, you know, there wouldn't have to be any middleman in between. It would just be a little plot of land and you could sell. Why would you need the government to manage the deeds and everything in the titles when uh, a blockchain can do it? Precisely. And and really, the, the thing that we're doing with the courthouse is we're providing an open, an open ledger where people could walk in and check the deeds. Well, that structure, I mean, this is basically the Henry Ford, what Henry Ford did to all the Wainwrights. This kills the, the entire industry of the, uh, the idea that the governance of any particular area was going to be the transparency module into the future. Yeah. Well, it's not only not transparent, but now it could be a lot cheaper and just done openly. So things are going to change on this planet like rapidly in the next 30 years. I'm, it's, it's alarming as much as fun as it's going to be. Like, I hope we get to die on Mars. <laughs> so um, are, you, are you having programmers work with uh, Factum's API to create the, um, this initial system where people can choose where to put their money? Or you know, what's your roadmap? The uh, the uh, move on this. The Indiegogo, the Indiegogo that campaign that I have up right now is supposed to be the funding bucket for that. And honestly, this is like my first. This is my second podcast that I've had. It's been a real. I've had I've had a real hard time explaining this to people. Um, I've had to look more towards tech savvy people who really already understand what the blockchain is to really get a good look at this. Because if they don't understand that. The transparency software is kind of what makes you, you know, that's your de facto trip to Washington. You get to self-represent by just magically teleporting yourself to Washington and being your own representative for the things that you're going to do. And, and if you understand the blockchain, most people get that. But trying to tell someone that you can automate the Congress and then they start reading the Constitution and they're like, well, wait a minute, right here it says I would have to go to Congress. I'm like, oh, man, oh, man, he's trying to get there in his horse and buggy. Gotcha. So, um, okay, so what does this um, whole initiative uh, program that you're trying to make, uh, what's the name of it? And then how did you come up with this idea? Um, the, I have an Indiegogo, Indiegogo campaign called U2030, Y-O-U-2030. And essentially, if this thing was to go viral and everybody in the country was to, everybody who knew who Brad's wife was, was to suddenly know who U2030 was. All we would really be able to get a move on on the change, because I think a lot of people really after the last election, so many people are fed up. I think there's enough people now, enough adults who'd sit still for two hours and say, we're going to learn how to do this differently and hash out some of the, you know, have an FAQ and stuff like that. I'm working on an FAQ right now because I've talked to enough people. So the hope is that maybe this gets a little bit of virility on it and 
and goes viral. And then I get enough money in the Indiegogo bucket to put a GUI in place, let everybody see what a really basic model would be. And the, it's more like a working prototype. It's the kind of thing you only have to build once. So it goes from basic working model to refinement with the FAQ and then just making it, you know, tailorable, customizable, put, you know, put different skins on it. It's yours and giving people, just, it's not going to be any harder to learn than Super Mario Brothers. Just it's a little bit of a shift because we've all learned, you know, the constitution. This is how we do this. If you're going to change the mechanics of the constitution, you can keep all the philosophy, but you change the mechanics. That is a de facto constitutional change. And a lot of people I think are okay with it. They just have to look at it and say, okay, what would this look like? What would this feel like? And that would cost quite a bit of money to get up and running right off the bat. So I figure let's try viral first before I start nugging this out for the next five years. Okay. What are some of the first issues or some of the issues that you think people are most pissed off about that they want to, uh, you know, take control back and decide where they can spend their money on? Um, from what I can tell, every single group has the same goal. They want to spend their money the way they want to spend it. And that's all the groups. That's the right. That's the left. That's the Bernie people versus the Hillary people. That's the everyone else versus the Trump people. Everybody wants their money spent on their programs. But the problem we seem to be having is this one bucket of funds that we all fight over. Well, why are we fighting over it? There's so many people now that most of the things that we do, we'd be able to fund individually, a la carte, if you will. We don't have to... Uh, okay. We don't have to work on a model of we'll put everything together and then we'll share the money. We don't have to share. Some programs will go away and that will piss off some people. But if you think about it, Blockbuster went away and that pissed off some people, but it went away for a reason and it went away for a good reason because it wasn't profitable anymore. It wasn't making, it wasn't sustainable. And we don't lose government programs when they're unsustainable anymore. And there has to be some kind of check put in there and Congress isn't going to do it. Every time you put in a choke point like Congress. Congress is the hot gates of law in America. And, and, and the congressmen are nothing but Spartans, but really there's not that many of them. You know, there's the top 50 or so are the ones who dole out the other 500, their money. That's how, that's how that works. And most of the, you know, the other two branches of the system are completely mobbed up in one election. All you got to do is get the presidency and he picks all the judiciary spots and well, there you go. So people are really just fighting over the executive of how they're going to run the country for four years and who they're going to try and stack courts with in the meantime. And then everybody thinks that they're voting for congressmen every two years and they get distracted and thinking, well, you know, if I keep voting, it'll get better. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm wondering about that so myself. But, uh, I mean, half of it is, is just keeping people exhausted in the crisis management of, oh, man, the next election, we'll be able to fix it with the next one. All we got to do is this. And, and they, you know, there's only a year in between elections. You get a year off and you deal with the ramifications and then you start with the campaigning for the, co the, the congressional. And then you get a year off and you start with the campaign for the presidential again. It's a never ending cycle of let the people have enough of a rest to not want to kill everyone in Washington and then ramp them all up again and get them to participate and make them think the change is on the horizon. Yeah. So between between the the Republican people who are tired of the Republican establishment and the Democrat people who are tired of the Democrat establishment, it seems to be a really good time in the culture to just ride the wave of anti-establishmentism and say, hey, here's another idea. It provides more liberty. It gives a lot more flexibility. It gives better law. It provides more justice to people who, for everybody, it's not necessarily a pay-to-play justice anymore. 
the, the judiciary gets pretty interesting because there's no one codified body of law. So the judiciary becomes like Bray in law, like it was in uh, in Ireland a long time ago. And it's a lot more sound because you got to have an aggrieved party and you can't have these corporate entities that, you know, corporate entity is like robbing a bank with a sock puppet. And when you get caught, the sock puppet goes to jail. Uh, so, I, so I have a question. Um, I feel I'm sure a lot of people like this, but I feel overwhelmed. You know, I'm just trying to live my life and raise my family and all that stuff. And there's so many issues out there that. You know, most of them I'm being told are important or not. You know, I have issues that I'm interested in. How does how is this to function? Where because again, my premise is that the average person is just so busy, just trying to live and make money, and really wants to be left alone. That how will you get critical mass enough people to decide? Okay, we're going to put money towards this or that, or not put money towards this or that. You know, how do you overcome the apathy and the laziness, or just the the busyness people have? where they just, they, they just don't have time to maybe even invest in this platform and use it. You know, they're so apathetic or they're so busy that they just tend not to vote on anything. And they just feel yeah. like, oh, I'll just let it be handled by, by Congress. Okay. So there's a, there's a bit of an example here. Uh, there's a guy, let's just say there's a, there's a person who lobbies Congress and it takes him two years, but he lobbies Congress for two years and he gets $10 million. So even though he may have been living like a pauper for two years, he just made $5 million a year for the last two years. How much money would you have to spend to try and prevent this guy from going and milking that $10 million out of, out of Congress? You would have to spend so much money that it would hurt your life to try and stop him. So the opportunity cost here goes back and forth. And again, Congress becomes this choke point of opportunity cost where other people can go and get this massive pool of money for whatever, and it's your money. So here's my sales pitch to the average guy. Is this worth 12 bucks a year to you? And would you be your own representative if it was three, three hours a year and you could do it in your own time, in your own free time? Because that's about all it takes. This organizational stuff, it's very hard when you put a control mechanism and then you try to do it for vast quantities of people and geography and, and cultures, like every kind of line. There's lines on the map and sometimes they matter, but the, sometimes the lines on the, the map that aren't there are the ones that matter more. So okay. we're here. What do you want to do with it? You don't want to, you want to be left alone. I want to be left alone too. How does one do this? You put up a system where you do it yourself. You only involve yourself in the things that you want. So you, you, your satisfaction level goes up because instead of thinking about the system and going, man, it's taking my money and it's spending it on bullshit, but it's not worth the opportunity cost to go and try and stop it. Now the opportunity cost goes down to, you know, three hours of your time and less than 20 bucks a year. So now the, the vehicle of change is so cheap and so easy and so tailor-made to you. Seems to be a blue market to me. And I, I, here's the thing. If there's anybody who's listening to this and you want to do it with like a city council, all you need is about 40% of the population in that area to say, yeah, this city council's corrupt. We're tired of it. We don't know how to reorganize. All right. All right. I'll show you exactly how to do it. That's the whole business. It's really, it's half consulting and half, if I had to set up the system myself, I know where I can go get one. I go to Factum, set the whole thing up. But really it's more Factum doesn't know, Factum doesn't sell this. They did all the software portion. I was a, an intelligence analyst in the army. So I'm always looking for the root cause and well, what broke this and how did this happen and how do we deploy assets to get across this? So I'm really more of an organizational project management. Factum is more of they have a product. I know how to use it in ways that they're not necessarily uh, advertising yet. I actually have an email out to Avi. I have to talk to him 
and see if uh, if he could, we could uh, talk about some kind of uh, collaboration about marketing this because API Plus is really an amazing platform. It does a lot of stuff. Okay, so last couple of questions. Um, you talked about $12 a year, so there's a small cost and the amount of time involvement. So just give me <clears throat> some of the parameters of this system. What's it going to look like for people that use it? What's their experience going to be? How, how often are they going to log in? How much do they pay, et cetera? Okay, you're going to log in. The basic fundamentals are you're going to agree to Title 18, which is the common law, you know, no murder, no rape, no theft. If everybody in, the, in America, all of the adults were to sit down and write their own set of laws, the first page looks alarmingly the same. Nobody wants to get murdered or raped or stolen from or beat up or, you know, Title 18 is pretty simple. Now, let's not say that drug crimes would fall into Title 18. We're talking about more okay. positive harms. Yeah, positive harms, you know, basic locking property rights, stuff like that. Some of the legal concepts come over, um, habeas corpus and all of the protections that you would expect under the Constitution. But the Bill of Rights looks like this, the right to abstain. You get one, one, art, one amendment in your Bill of Rights, and that's the right to abstain. If you don't want to, you don't have to. That makes it real easy for all the other stuff. As long as you're not a catalyst in an event, you can abstain from it. If, if somebody's having a heart attack right next to you, you don't have to give them CPR. But if you know how and you don't, you know, we're all going to, you know, the community frowns upon that, you know? So okay. you don't have to pay, you don't get taxed. You don't have to pay for services you don't want. You don't have to be involved in organizations you don't want. However, if you're involved with the roads, you're going to go to work. So the services that you use switch over more of a pay-to-play model. That's more efficient, how it should be done anyway. Those systems have to be maintained. And trying to say that you pay for it with taxes, that doesn't really work well, especially when the accountability on the far side of that is, is not good with finances. Putting it on pay-to-play model, like, yes, all of the roads would be toll roads, but it'd be like a penny a mile. Like, how many miles do people do a year? The scale yeah, that would be, uh, yeah, the average person does 15,000 from what I've read. So it'd be uh, $1,500. But no, <laughs> you're right. If everything was pay to play, like in comparison to the amount of taxes that are. Uh, exactly. And, and, and here's the right. thing. The a la carte service, if you were to do this a la carte, I would imagine that fire and uh, EMS would fall under more of an insurance. At least fire would probably start falling under like farmers. Or because it would make more sense for the insurance company to make sure that people purchasing insurance in those areas had a local fire company. So I would see much larger businesses um, having a stake in some of these local ones. They already have it. They already have it there, but it would be even more so because there wouldn't be somebody paying for them. So your homeowner's insurance premium would probably depend on your proximity to a fire department, your ability to fight a fire. I mean, all kinds of stuff. If a Navy guy lives way out in the middle of nowhere, but all he, you know, he was a DC guy in the, in the Navy. Well, you know, he doesn't really need a fire department super close. He's probably going to put out most of the fires in his house, you know, that he would ever have. So certain different factors really factor into an actuarial table where, where a bit, where a, uh, an insurance company would look at the fire liability on your house. It would be totally different than it would today with the system that's in place. Totally different in the factors, but not totally different in the modality. Okay. So pay-to-play stuff goes pay-to-play, like Netflix, your, yeah. uh, your homeowner's insurance, a la carte, et cetera. The, the group projects, the local ones, you'd be a lot more aware of because that's like your local news kind of stuff. Local news has been taken over by the, by the corporate media. If you've ever seen the, uh, the collages that like Conan O'Brien and Jimmy Kimmel do of 40 or 50 different local news stations, 
having the same opening tagline over and over again. So your local really? news would probably, oh yeah, yeah, you got to look for the the Conan and and Jimmy Kimmel collages, where literally they would just go through twenty, thirty, forty local news stations, the same tagline. You know, Santa, oh Santa Claus is coming this year. His sleigh was in the air, and literally it would be the same tagline at fifty different stations. Hmm. So so the yeah. way information is spread is changing. It's already changing. People are starting to look more local because it is more relevant. People are getting out of the mainstream media because what happened in New York today isn't super relevant. What happened to me in Austin today, they're getting a better, a better feel of what a local issue is. And, you know, some of this requires some legwork, but if you don't want to be involved, you're not involved. You're involved in the stuff you're involved in and not involved in the stuff you're not involved in. And if you want more, you can go find it. It's not hard in an information age. It's not hard. But instead of putting the onus on you to say, wait a minute, you took my money and you spent it on what? Now the onus is on them to say, we're worthy of your money and here's why. Okay. Well, very good. So last question is, uh, how can people that are interested in your project uh, get in contact with you to help either money-wise to fund it or to volunteer their time to work on it or to find out more? My website is www.direct-republic.com. Um, I'm on Indiegogo, U2030. Um, on Twitter, I have two Twitter accounts. One is Direct Republic and one is U2030. Um, Facebook, U2, Facebook U2030 campaign is the one you want if you want any more information because I can't send out files and stuff on Twitter. So if anybody's curious, like I have a, about a 20-page PowerPoint presentation and I have a longer breakdown, but that one's really hard to read because, you know, white papers, they're hard. Okay. Well, very good. Well, Donnie, it's uh, definitely a radical idea, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, man. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.